especially at Christmas, when Mrs. Clarence and her husband would descend to the servants' hall, and Mrs. Clarence would dance with the men servants, and Mr. Clarence with the maids. Hannah left the drawing room and went down to the kitchens and made tea. She had always risen early, being one of those rare people who need very little sleep. She liked being up before the other servants to enjoy a little bit of peace and quiet on her own. She was worried. She was forty-five, a great age, nearly old. It would be hard to find another position as housekeeper. In making the arrangements for the funeral and coping with the Clarence relatives who had descended like vultures, she had not had time to seek another post. She had only a little money saved. And that, said Hannah Pym aloud, is your own fault. Hannah could not help interfering in other people's lives, There had been money given to servant girls to help them get out of trouble, somewhere to go and stay until the babies were born. There had been money given to a footman to go to university and make a new start, for he had been a bright, sensitive lad, hopeless as a footman. There had been money, Hannah winced, given to that under-butler who had proposed marriage to her. He had said he would go and purchase a cottage with her savings, and had never come back. But now she was older and wiser, and could often see through people, and besides, there was no use regretting the past. The relatives who had mercifully left for a few days after the funeral were ready to descend again for the reading of the will. Sir George Clarence, Mr. Clarence's brother, would be there this time, thought Hannah, and there would be someone to take charge. Sir George had been abroad in the diplomatic service for a long time, and had returned to England only recently. She remembered him vaguely as being a rather austere and cold man. She felt sure Mr. Clarence would not have remembered her in his will, although she was the last of the old servants. Since Mrs. Clarence had left, the house had become too gloomy to attract regular staff, and a bewildering variety of maids and footmen had come and gone. It had been years since there had been a butler, that job having been added to Hannah's by the seemingly uncaring Mr. Clarence. The morning was busy with preparations for the reading of the will. A cold collation was to be served to the relatives in the dining room about two o'clock. At four, they would adjourn to the library, where Mr Entwistle of Entwistle, Barker and Timms would read the will. For a short while it was heartbreakingly like old times, with fires in the rooms and bustle and hurry. Hannah, in her black gown, and with her keys at her waist, went here and there, running her fingers over ledges to make sure there was not a trace of dust, plumping up cushions, checking coal scuttles to make sure they were full, filling cans with hot water, arranging flowers, and giving a final polish to the brass and steel of fenders. Then, with the one remaining footman and two housemaids beside her, she waited in the hall for the arrival of the relatives. First came Mrs. Jessop, the late Mr. Clarence's sister, a small, fussy woman, with her thin and whining husband and their three children, all boys in their teens, and, spoilt, in Hannah's opinion, beyond repair. Then there was a fluttering of cousins, spinster ladies, gossiping and complaining about the cold. Then Mr. Clarence's other brother, Peter, a fat, jolly man with a ferocious laugh and a weakness for practical jokes. His wife, Frida, fat also, but languid and a professional invalid, and their seven children of various ages. And then arrived Sir George Clarence. 
He was a tall, spare man in his fifties with white hair, a hawk-like face and piercing blue eyes. He was impeccably dressed in a blue swallowtail coat and darker blue knee-breeches with striped stockings and buckled shoes, the splendour of which was revealed when the footman relieved him of his many-caped greatcoat. "'How are you, Miss Pym?' he asked, and Hannah flushed with pleasure because he had remembered her name. She had never adopted the courtesy title of Mrs. like most housekeepers and cooks, and he had remembered that too. She supervised the serving of the cold collation. Bedrooms had been prepared, although no one but Sir George was staying the night, because she knew the guests would like somewhere to retire. Then, when the ladies had gone through to the drawing-room, and the men were left to their wine, she went down to the hall to greet the lawyer, Mr. Entwistle. "'Bitterly cold,' he said, rubbing his hands. "'There is more snow coming. I can feel it.'